Lily Riddle Narcotics Emporium presents Lily and the Art of Being Sisyphus by the Carnivorous Muffin read by San Gabriel based on the works of J.K. Rowling Chapter 9 A Taste of Things to Come I think my imaginary friend is depressed. Oh, and I decided to enter a talent show, and I must win and defeat my nemesis, well, my cousin Dutters, but I don't think I have any talents that are talent show-esque. Lily Eleanor Evan Potter was staring at the ceiling while sitting on the shrink chair across from one Dr. Alfred Mitchell. It showed how much their relationship had grown that he didn't ask her to sit up and look at him instead, because while Freud had some good ideas here or there, he was not that great at therapy. Staring at the ceiling while talking to your psychologist was just weird for everyone involved. The eight-year-old Lily didn't differ that much from the five-year-old or even the six-year-old Lily. At least this was how Lily saw it. She'd gained some responsibilities, like gaining territory, money, and more narcotics than she herself could ever possibly consume, even if she wanted to, but for the most part, she was still Eleanor Lily Potter, living with the Dursleys and going about her daily routine. Which Lennon had asked her, back when she was six and the whole Lily Riddle thing was only just beginning, if she didn't want to just leave the Mongol world and work full-time as a drug dealer. It wasn't that Wizard Lennon wanted her to be a drug lord, she knew. It was more for his benefit of having more time to look into ways to stuff him into some sort of vehicle with opposable thumbs. He also wasn't a fan of the Dursleys. Not that she was either, but he was less tolerant of things he didn't like. Lily had thought about it. To tell the truth, it had been tempting. She hadn't had much of a reason to stay with her relatives. They charged her an exorbitant amount of interest for a debt she couldn't even remember. They rarely paid her any attention, and when they did it was usually to give her some new task or otherwise berate her, and various other things that Wizard Lennon called abusive, but she just called obnoxious. Still, it was easier in some ways to stay with the Dursleys. Being a drug lord was nice and all, but it could get rather violent and time-consuming. Whenever she stopped in to work, Frank, her dutiful secretary, was always there listing the foreigners who had to be appeased, the latest shipment of poppy and other raw materials, the latest underling seller who had gotten out of line, the latest and greatest of muggle wares that had to be marketed as somehow being magical and not at all muggle, and all this stuff that was usually solved by a quick round of violence. It turned out that the gong of death was just as useful in conditioning people who didn't pay their debts as it had been with the Dursleys giving her a room, but sometimes took days, if not weeks. Lily Riddle wasn't really her life, anyway, was it the thing she did to pass the time in Mac Bank? If school had been any more interesting and or lucrative, she'd probably be doing that instead. School was certainly more legal, from what Wizard Lennon and occasionally Frank told her. There were other vampires who worked for Lily Riddle as well, but Frank had been there the longest, since 1937, and knew his way best around the place. Everyone else, even the four others who had worked there since the late 1930s, seemed to look to him to make sure everything was running smoothly and all the boxes were checked. It seemed that her responsibilities were more vague, as if she just came up with the big ideas and the wild solutions rather than the day-to-day -day tasks. When it came to actually running the administrative aspects of the business, it was Frank, hands down, that was in charge. Frank was the dweeby little accountant, they often joked, while the rest got the fun and glamorous position of being the hired muscle. He, as well as the rest of them, seemed to expect her to disappear most of the time for school and or other activities, and work more during the summer. It seemed that Lily Riddle had always kept her own hours, so they had no problem with her showing up sporadically without explanation of where she'd been all week or why she was arriving so late. Eventually, things had settled into a kind of routine. She'd visit death on Sunday, work nights and weekends in nocturnally at the main office, and attend school or do chores otherwise. 
Mrs. Figg seemed to be less crazy, or she had just given up being crazy, because she no longer looked frantic around Lily, but instead just vaguely frazzled, as if she wasn't even sure what to think anymore. The Dursleys returned to their pre-therapy Dursley ways, which really only had affected Aunt Petunia, and she never saw or heard from Big Brother's greasy agent, Severus Snape, again. It wasn't that it was boring. She kind of liked knowing that something interesting was going to happen each weekend, but it was hard on Wizard Lennon, and as her personal brain tumor, when things were hard on Wizard Lennon, they were consequently hard on her. It turned out bodies were harder to come by than she'd ever thought. At first, she'd thought recycling would be possible. Lily Riddle's business accumulated quite a slew of raw materials, but after some research and Frank talks with Frank and Wizard Lennon, it appeared that animating a corpse just wouldn't cut it. The only option that the glitch manipulators, who really didn't deserve that title at the end of the day, knew of was something called the Philosopher's Stone, which had been created by Nicholas Flamel. According to hearsay and research, it was a really powerful red rock that held enough energy to create a body and sustain youth. It could also create gold at a faster rate than even Lily Riddle could manage. However, no one ever went into the specifics of how to make one, how to use one if one did manage to make one, or how a rock could be anything but a rock, even if it was a little pretty. What she didn't understand about the whole thing was why there was only one. She remembered remarking to Wizard Lennon at the time, I mean, if it really does the whole infinite go thing and fountain of youth thing, then wouldn't a lot more people be trying to make it? Wizard Lennon had been in a somewhat bad mood. Every time she researched his little problem, he regained that lethargy he'd had when she'd first become Lily Riddle. Also, there was the fact that apparently he had known all of this beforehand, had been thinking about it for years, and Lily was just rehashing useless information that he hadn't been courteous enough to share with her. Still, though, he was apparently willing to enlighten her on things like these. To be honest, when I was younger, I thought that as well. To ensure my immortality, I went with a much faster, and to be honest, probably cruder technique, and then thought I might come back to creating a Philosopher's Stone later. But I always wondered why no other witch or wizard bothered trying to recreate it. Flamel was very secretive about his research, though. We only know that he used alchemy to create the stone. Other than that, he's been very tight-lipped. As you've noticed, though, Lily, wizards on the whole often don't make decisions based on logic. It seemed like Frank's original assessment of the situation had been correct. The Philosopher's Stone, which was hidden somewhere in France by Flamel, was probably the best bet. Wizards turned out to know jack shit about robotics, and everyone who knew how to make a golem had been killed off by Grindelwald and or Nazis in World War II, and the only other glitchy option seemed to be to make Wizard Lennon some sort of zombie body that could shuffle around for eternity. His response to that idea was, No. There were a few other options, which looked rather dubious in Lily's opinion, and the books reported as being rather sketchy even when they worshipped the ground the Dark Arts walked on. The Dark Arts being glitches that maimed, killed people, and just dealt with dead things in general. Wizard Lennon wasn't so much a Dark Arts fan as he was a maiming and killing fan. The Dark Arts were just convenient for accomplishing those goals. He did agree with her, though, on that those kinds of rituals were not the best way to go about it. Dark rituals would be considered the Rube Goldberg machines of the magical world if wizards knew the term, and had any real common sense instead of mounds of superstition. They're famous for having many interconnected steps that, with little influence from the caster, or the environment, spiral out of control and blow up in the user's face. Usually, even if miraculously it doesn't fall apart halfway through the process, the end result is a more powerful and crude bit of magic that could have been produced by safer, lighter means. 
Having been burnt alive once in the last decade, I'm not eager to try the experience again. We'll look for something else. She also caught the mutterings that he didn't have half the materials to pull it off, and even if he did, he had no idea what he'd look like by the end of it. From the vague images in her hand, he could come out looking like something described in the Lovecraft book about Cthulhu in Lily Riddle's library at the headquarters. But as the clock ticked by in little whinging, he was beginning to grow anxious. A few years back, they'd had a conversation that Lily often thought of. They'd been in her head, sitting in a dark cave by the shore. In the background, the waves had been crashing, but otherwise all had been silent, and she could see her breath like smoke rising into the cold air. He had looked almost like death then, boring a worn and old expression that seeped out of his eyes like cold blue light. He was in black then. There was no red that night. I find that what I worry about most isn't that I will die or that I will be trapped inside your head forever. Rather, it's that I won't mind being trapped. That I will succumb to the lull of your everyday life and give up hope that I will one day return to my home. I fear that I am losing myself within you until I truly am nothing more than Lenin. She didn't say anything, neither did he later, but words like that weren't to be taken lightly and she pondered them whenever his silence was too heavy. In the psychologist's office, Dr. Mitchell shuffled his notebook, flipping a page after writing something down. He always felt he had to write a lot of notes during her visit or he would never keep it straight. Ah, oh, yes, your imaginary friend. Lenin, right? Lovey nodded. You're a wizard named Lenin. They're not the communist. Well, he is a communist, but not the communist. Anyway, that's not really the point. So, for a while now, I've, or we've been trying to create him a real body so they can function with the real world. The only problem is that it's difficult, because it's an imaginary friend, and, and people don't just make bodies, apparently. Dr. Mitchell didn't say that he understood, or that he saw anything, but instead continued to stare at her and wait for her to finish. When she'd first reappeared in his life with an appointment in place under the name of Lily Riddle, since Wizard Lennon seemed fairly certain that the they were watching Eleanor Potter, he hadn't remembered a single thing about her, just like she'd suspected. Of course, that hadn't really mattered. She'd filled him back in on the more or less important details. She left out the drug dealing, the glitch manipulation, most of the details with the Dursleys and death, but all else she considered fair game, including Wizard Lennon's existence, even if she left out that he was a real person and not just a thing she'd made up. I really don't know what to do about it. I mean, he refused robots, period. Robots I could probably do. I mean, we could call him Hal, and he could call me Dave, and everything would be great. He's even got the murderous intent down. Wouldn't even let me try. I looked up programming, and I was greeted with the migraine of death for even looking. I didn't get a few sentences in, and poof, my brain was gone, and pins of death were eating at my forehead instead. Is it too much to ask that we look into some other option? I mean, really, is that too much? She asked this time, looking at him. He always fidgeted during their meetings, never quite sure what to do with himself, because he wasn't quite sure what to do with her. Without the immediacy of her suicide as a problem to focus on, he seems to be at a loss on a direction to progress. They had started with conditioning, because Lily had brought it up. This had slowly progressed to observational studies, like the kind she had been doing on the Dursleys and other realms of psychology. It would mostly be her talking. She wasn't sure he was entirely comfortable with the idea that a six-year-old girl, who appeared to have no parental guidance and far too much intelligence, was fascinated by psychology. Most of the time he just let her talk sometimes asking questions here or there, but most of the time looking as if he had no idea why she was coming to see him. Perhaps, Lily, you should focus on friends that are not... imaginary? he asked finally with eyebrows raised. 
He wasn't quite sure whether to take Wizard Lennon as a metaphor, a hallucination, or a childish need for a friend. It was Lily's frankness about the matter that threw him off, he said, her insistence that Wizard Lennon only lived in her brain and nowhere else because usually children weren't that blunt about the state of their made-up friends. She thought about it. She'd never tried the whole friendship thing, not with people her age at least. The closest thing she had to a normal friend on the physical plane was Dr. Mitchell, and after that, Frank, who didn't really count as human. Inside her head, Wizard Lennon, who was not speaking to her as she had once again dragged him to therapy, grumbled something about how she'd never even managed to hold a conversation with a child her age, let alone approach friendship. How much could an eight-year-old and a drug-dealing imposter have in common anyway, he seemed to ask. Lily had stepped beyond the realm where reaching out to others was even possible. She had passed the point of no return years ago without even realizing it. "'I don't think that would work out,' she concluded finally. "'I'm not really a people person, as you may have noted, Doctor.' Dr. Mitchell was not a rude person. He actively tried to be kind, and sometimes this led him to stare at her blankly as he tried thinking of a way to not agree with her and tell her that she really was a people person. "'You mentioned a talent show?' he finally asked, shelving the Wizard Lennon problem for another day. It was probably for the best. They'd get nowhere in therapy, not with Wizard Lennon's stance on psychologists. It was one of those things he never lessened on. If anything, his irrational hatred of the field only grew with Lily's expertise in the area. Something about the studying of the mind and its inner workings threw him almost as off-balance as the existence of Wizard Lennon did. Besides, Wizard Lennon's depression was nothing new. It had been going on for years, probably since she'd first known him. She just didn't know how to label it. She still stuck by her belief that once he got a body and the ability to actually do something on his own, he'd be back to his old murderous self in no time, leading the glorious and somewhat non-existent at the moment revolution to victory. Personally, as she worked more and more in Nocturnale, she was beginning to understand his feelings on the whole issue. The Ministry of Magic was not only bourgeoisie bureaucratic nonsense, but it also made some really questionable moral decisions that even Wizard Lennon admitted weren't the best of ideas. Their main prison did not have guards. It had soul-sucking demons who executed someone by slowly eating their happiness until they were a catatonic doll, whose body was thrown into the gutter and left to rot. Though they wasn't sure how that was considered more efficient than just killing the prisoners, it seemed like it would take a lot of work to keep soul-sucking demons around, and Wizard Lennon, as well as Frank, had assured her that it really wasn't. Really, it seemed like the Empire of Glitch Britain needed a revolution. Wizard Lennon, although he didn't say anything, was quite pleased that she agreed with his sentiments, still one thing at a time, and the talent show was the next greatest thing on the horizon. Right, so the talent show. So you remember how I told you that my aunt and uncle are convinced that Dudders is God in the flesh? Yes, he said slowly, as if he wasn't convinced that her aunt and uncle really thought that, but wasn't quite willing to call her a liar either. He had once attempted to contact the Dursleys, whose information she had still written into the application, or rather once that he remembered, as the original conversations had been erased by Big Brother's greasy glitch agent, and as Lily could have told him, it got him nowhere closer to understanding and got Lily locked in her room for a few hours until she managed to make them forget the whole thing had ever happened. He still wasn't sure what to make of that, or Lily for that matter, and instead looked like a man who had been given an immense puzzle, but no idea where to start. Well, anyway, there's this talent show coming up, and Dudley's been taking piano lessons for the past few years. He's pretty decent, considering he barely practices and can't read music. And I realize that if he enters, and I don't, then even if he plays terribly, which he will because he's Dudders, he will still be more talented than me, and I will be told it every day of my life forever. So now I have to enter the talent show. The trouble is, and Wizard Lennon and I have been discussing it, is that I really don't have any stagey talents. 
She didn't know how to play the piano, and was at Lennon and considered music a waste of his revolutionary time in his youth, so she couldn't steal Dudders' thunder there. She'd found that she was very athletic, able to outrun Dudley with ease, but you couldn't exactly run on stage. After that had ended, she had run out of ideas. Really, Lily was good at sounding smart, not like an adult, but smart. She was good at ideas and really just talking, but other than that... I'm sure that's not true. You're quite a talented artist. Dr. Mitchell commented, perhaps thinking of the sketch of Wizard Lennon she had given him in the beginning of their reintroduction when he had asked her what specifically Wizard Lennon was like. He'd been shocked when she first gave it to him, inspecting it, then looking at her, asking if she had done it herself, which was a weird question, because who else would know what he looked like? He lived in her brain, after all. You can't exactly draw on stage, though. Oh, whatever, I'll come up with something. The rest of the meeting went on in a similar manner, him suggesting various things and her reminding him that she needed a stage talent— Finally, the hour ended with him staring pensively at her. "'Why are you so insistent on entering this talent show? If you don't believe you will perform well?' She stared at him, having moved to a sitting position and again reflected on her situation as Eleanor Potter, and why she did anything at all. "'It's just something I have to do. School, chores, talent shows. There is things I have to do without any real reason for doing them. Reality isn't always consistent, especially when it's falling apart.' Who am I to try to find something meaningful inside it? Later that night, the talent show still looming only a few days away, she deviated from her usual schedule of visiting death on a Sunday, and instead visited him on a Wednesday night. The show she was signed up for was on Friday. Seeing death was like what visiting a relative should have been like. There was a certain comfort and steadiness in it, where she could look across at him and know that he would remain as he was, and that the events in her own world couldn't touch him at all. Sitting at a café, overlooking the wreckage Wizard Lennon had caused only a few years prior that death had never bothered to clean up, they began to discuss the imminent problem of the talent show. Wizard Lennon had been of the opinion she shouldn't enter at all, because really she didn't have any talents like that, but she thought that might have been because they had been trying to pinpoint the location of the stone in France and hadn't been making much progress. It could be because they weren't visiting France themselves, but rather relying on the rumor mill and wizarding tabloids. It was a little like the time he demanded she visit Diagon Alley. He wanted her to prance around the French countryside, and while well, she was all four time away from the Dursleys, it didn't have to be in another country. And so I realized that I have no talents. Well, not no talents, because I'm really good at pretending to be a drug dealer. Or I guess I am a drug dealer, but anyone at the point. I'm really good at being intimidating. But you can't get up on stage and intimidate people into paying their debts. I've never heard of that being in a talent show. Lily concluded over tea, looking straight ahead at Death and trying not to listen to Wizard Lennon's impatiently tapping foot. Death hadn't been thrilled with her idea of taking over for Lily Riddle. There was concern for her safety, as there had been in Wizard Lennon's case, but there was also something else, some darkening of his features when he looked at her as if he didn't recognize her at all and couldn't find it within himself to be truly horrified, merely slightly disturbed. Whenever mention of her role of Lily Riddle came up, he always looked like that, that conflicted expression crossing his features if only for a moment, and he couldn't help but wonder what he had expected in her place. It wouldn't be, Death muttered quietly, a pensive look on his face that meant he was taking her seriously. To be honest, I can't remember having talents like that either. In spite of the many theatrics in my life, I myself was never much of a performer. But I'm confused. Why do you have to enter the talent show if you don't even have an idea of what to do? She sighed. She was getting tired of answering that question. Did there really have to be a reason? Wasn't the battle with Dudley enough, or did there have to be something more than that? It's a human trait, looking for a reason where there is none, 
It's called absurdism, was Athelion supplied from across the table, not looking at either of them, but rather looking at the shards of glass and the charred bricks that still littered the station. Philosophy aside, though, that's hardly a reason to get on stage and act like an idiot. And if you do pursue this, you will look like an idiot. I will not look like an idiot, please, and I have to find a talent, some only talent-like talent that will impress a whole crowd of people. Lily's frown became more pronounced as nothing immediate came to mind. Perhaps she was just one of those people who lacked any of those cherished talents in the general public. Instead, she had... And then it hit her. Like Wizard Lenin with a migraine of death, she had the most talented talent of them all, and she hadn't even considered it. Glitches! I can manipulate glitches better than anyone. I'm not sure that would be a good idea. Death supplied, looking slightly alarmed at the same time that Wizard Lenin snapped. Do you want another visit from the government? Oh, please, I don't have to know I'm really manipulating glitches, she said, looking at the pair of them ganging up on her, a thing they rarely did, as it meant they had to pretend to be on the same side for a few moments. It's cool a magic show. I'll just pretend everything's fake like it is in those. It'll be great. There was an odd moment where Wizard Leonard and Death looked at each other, not glared, but looked as if they were sharing a thought that had nothing to do with their dislike of the other person. Finally, Death became strangely somber and offered one final bit of advice. Lily, you must realize that the Dursleys will know it for what it is, and I realize that you simply live with them, but there will be consequences if you push them that hard. You have to consider others when you act, not simply yourself. A single simple action like a talent show has many far-reaching consequences. There really was only one response she could give to that, and even then she had known it was not the one he was searching for, but it was the one she had to give all the same. The Dursleys are hardly others. With that in mind, she got herself a ridiculous-looking outfit to perform in, a black tux, top hat, and black-and-white plastic-looking wand. She passed out invitations to everyone at work, Dr. Mitchell, and even Death, though he wouldn't be able to appear in the universe. Soon enough it was Friday night, and the stage lights seemed to glitter before her as she listened to Dudley play piano fairly well, considering his level of talent in other areas, listened to stuttering actors and other musical players. It looked like such a false and cheery world up there, the unreality of it made evident in a way that just wasn't so in the greater reality, and she couldn't help but feel that the world was a darker and more complicated stage in which she was always performing on. Dressed in the outfit, she sat in the wings, waiting for a moment to confront the world. You do realize you'll most likely have to erase your relatives' memories after this again, Wizard Lennon noted dryly, not quite discouraging, but an observation nonetheless. I'm prepared for that consequence. She'd done it enough times before in order to sneak out for work, cover up glitches performed around the house, and various other things. Besides, in its own bizarre way, she truly did feel like the talent show was necessary— as necessary as school, living with the Dursleys, pretending to be Lily Riddle, having Wizard Lennon in her hand, or visiting Uncle Death. All these events and actions were what made her, and it seemed as if she had no choice in the matter. "'Any particular glitch you'd like to see?' she asked as the audience started applauding for the act that was in front of Lily, the eleven-year-old girl with a flute bowing and looking very pleased. "'Not everything's that easy, you know. Magic can be quite difficult.' He started, but then stopped, perhaps considering that nothing had seemed difficult so far, even when he had claimed that it should not be possible, and finally he said, You know, do a classic. Pull a rabbit from the nothingness and felt inside your hat. And then she was walking on stage, blinded by the lights, and staring into the black, faceless pit that was the audience nonetheless. 
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight I'll be doing a few classic illusions purely for your entertainment. She tipped her hat to them, to Lily Riddle's pale and lean employees, to Dr. Mitchell, who may or may not have decided to come at all, to the Dursleys, who were dreading the very sight of her. Reality, at the end of the day, is more of a squishy concept than most people give it credit for. It's not always in the right place at the right time. Sometimes it's late, sometimes it's early, and sometimes it's inside a hat when it should have been right in front of you. Her hat fell into her hand, and with the other she pulled out a snuffling white rabbit, who had not been there before, with a conspiratorial grin at her audience. I'm a fan of the classics. As Wizard Lennon had predicted, she'd had to wipe the Dursley's memory, or face being trapped inside the bedroom for days at a time, which she couldn't really afford with Lily Riddle's job on the line. Still, though, even when everything seemed unchanged, she didn't regret that single rabbit. That false thing that she had shaped from nothingness that still snuffled and hopped about her room just like any real rabbit would. I think I'll name him Rabbit. He needs a name, since he doesn't appear to be disappearing. Do you think Rabbit needs food? Wizard Lennon was even dumbfounded enough not to be depressed. You conjured a rabbit, a true rabbit, and not a solid illusion at the age of eight without a wand. This isn't possible. Rabbit hopped around as if to refute Wizard Lennon's point. He did have some non-rabbit-like qualities, though. He hadn't once gone to the bathroom or looked in need of food. He seemed more like the idea of a rabbit than an actual organism. Perhaps Lily hadn't been specific enough when she tugged on the universe with the word rabbit lodged in her head. That had been a particularly odd sensation, more so than most glitches. It had seemed like she'd reached past something beyond some barrier and into the unknown, and plucked Rabbit from it, and placed him into her hat. For a moment she had seen everything extending beyond her, light and dark, and the swirling universe before her. But then there had just been the glittering stage lights, and a rabbit. Well, Lennon, you know what they say. Reality is that which... When you stop believing in it, doesn't go away. For the full text of this and other stories by the same author, visit the AO3 page of The Carnivorous Muffin. Intro music licensed from Pond 5. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.